0: science of salvation The science of how Jesus saves you It's not hard It's not difficult You don't have to be a scientist to understand it Jesus comes down into your heart And when Jesus comes down into your heart Then he gets rulership of your life And when he is the ruler of your life There are times where he will come down And he will save you He will actually save you physically But he will also save you spiritually And that's the most powerful experience a person can have Sit back, watch, relax, listen See what you think of what we're about to look at. God bless. Let's pray. Lord, we want to pray this morning that you'll be here in the church. That, Lord, as we open your Bible, that this topic, this subject will help us to see you in a different light. Help us to see you for the lovely person you are. So bless us now, we pray, Jesus, as we study your word in your name. Amen. This subject, it's an interesting one. The Science of Salvation Sounds very technical, doesn't it? I guess uh, being a past failed science student Well, when I was at school anyway, doing year 11 and 12 I did not do very well in science Whenever someone happens to mention the word science I I, kind of turn off a little bit I'm not a scientist, I'm not into science I'm not not into the understanding of science Because I, I was never any good at it I don't understand it But today's subject I do understand the science of salvation It's what God does for us as he is saving us And I want to open today's teaching, today's subject By opening my Bible I want to invite you to open your Bibles too if you've got them To First Corinthians chapter 15 First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 and 2 And the Apostle Paul, who was a missionary He was a powerful preacher This is what he has to say to the church in Corinth 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 and 2 Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you Which you received and on which you have taken your stand Paul says, I want to remind you of the story of Jesus A story that you have received into your heart A story which has caused you to make a stand He says in verse 2, by this gospel, by this story of Jesus, you are saved If you hold firmly to the word which I preach to you, otherwise, he says, you believed in vain. He said, this story that I have shared with you, that that you have accepted into your heart, Paul says, and he says it very clearly, he says, this story saves you. Now, I've been walking with Jesus for almost 20 years, 20, 20 really good years. I love Jesus and I love Walking with him It is a pleasure In fact I've said it many times before And I'll say it again I walk with Jesus For no other reason Than the pleasure of it It's a great thing To have Jesus in your heart And be walking with him But I want to tell you As I've reflected on this walk That I have with Jesus I think that he saves you I think he saves us I think he saves people in two ways The first way Jesus saves you Is he will save you And he does He saves you Physically I think when we get to heaven We'll look back on life on this earth And we'll see how many times Jesus came down And actually intervened and saved us physically So God, Jesus, he will save you physically I guess in a sense he can save you physically In that if you are walking with with the Lord Jesus And and you've been on drugs or, or, Or you abuse yourself with alcohol or cigarettes Jesus will even come down And this is a fact He'll come down into your heart and he'll give you the power. He'll give you the courage and you need courage. He'll give you the strength and he'll give you the wisdom to give up things that are physically destroying you. Jesus, God will do that. I know because I've had God do it for me It's a powerful experience So God will save you physically And God also saves you spiritually Now we all need saving physically But I want to tell you that there is a world full of broken people out there Who need to be saved spiritually The spiritual destruction that the devil is bringing upon people Upon their souls and upon their lives Is causing more damage to people than anything physically That can ever happen to you So God saves you in two ways Physically and spiritually I want to have a look at physical salvation to start off with And if you have your Bibles And I know many of you do Turn to Psalm, Psalm chapter 17 verse 8 Psalm chapter 17 verse 8 I want you to look to discover this text with me Psalm 17 verse 8 David the Psalmist, King David This is what he says And he's talking to God Keep me as the apple of your eye Hide me, he says, God, hide me in the shadow of your wings. I could look back on my own life and I can tell you that there are many times where God's come down, intervened and saved me, saved my life physically. I can also look at the lives of others and I could keep you here all morning, all afternoon and all night. I could do it. I won't. I could do it telling you stories about how God, when God is your savior, when God is your God, how at times he will come down and he will save you. He will intervene. He will do things, physical things for you that help you to live a good life, a safe life here on this earth. My father was a pastor, still is a a pastor, he's a retired pastor. He's a preacher and for some time he worked in the Pacific. He lived in Fiji and for the Seventh-day Adventist Church he was the youth director for the entire South Pacific area of the islands. He worked out there and had very many uh, great adventures. I remember one story, I'll never forget this story, it's embedded into my mind. And I'm talking about how God comes down, intervenes and saves people physically. About how my father went, uh, he got on the plane, he travelled from Fiji to Tahiti And he was off to some far off island in the Tahiti Isles to preach the gospel And he arrived in Tahiti and he was to go down to the dock And when he got to the dock he was to meet there a man with a boat Who would then take him in that boat from the main island to the far off island that he was headed for to preach Well he arrived uh, at the island of Tahiti, he got off the plane, he called a taxi down to the dock and there was a man standing by a rather small boat, a speedboat with a sign and he was holding the sign up and it read Grolamond. Well, my dad thought, well, this must be where I'm supposed to go and so he walked over and, and, and they introduced themselves to each other. The man in the boat spoke French and French only. My dad spoke English and English only So they were through sign language able to work out That they were supposed to be together And they got in the boat Oh my dad says it's an interesting experience As this boat sped out through the harbour And out to sea And he talks about how he watched the main island of Tahiti Get smaller and smaller and smaller Until it disappeared into the horizon And he said I looked around me And he said all I could see was ocean He said the man who was driving that boat, he had no compass, he had no GPS connected to a satellite. My father said he had no idea how he knew where he was going. It was overcast, there was no sun, it wasn't the evening so there was no stars to guide himself by and yet he seemed to know where he was going. But my father was worried, he couldn't see land, he wasn't used to this sort of an experience. He was thinking to himself, well I hope nothing wrong goes on out here. Or we'll be in deep trouble. And and, and it's interesting to listen to Dad as he tells this story, because he says, as I was thinking that, he said there was a tremendous explosion. And he said, and it was a speedboat with an outboard motor. He says the top of the outboard motor blew off and went about 20 or 30 metres into the air. And there was a flame from this engine that shot 10, 15 metres up high. They were in deep, deep trouble. This outboard motor had exploded. And the Tahitian guy who spoke only French looked at my father who spoke only English. And there was fear in their eyes because they knew that this fire, if it continued as it was, would burn their boat to the waterline. And when their boat was burned to the waterline, they knew that land was far too far away to swim to. I want to tell you that when God is in your heart and all, we need a God like this. When he lives inside of you and you have experiences of fear, experiences that, 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 that threaten your life, you need to have a God that you can call on. And what do you think my dad did? What do you think that Tahitian Christian man did They both called on God God Lord save us There was nobody in sight As far as they could see And my father says no sooner had he let that prayer out than a boat appeared And it was a big speed boat And on the front of the boat was a great big strong Handsome looking Tahitian man And he sped up to the boat He had a fire extinguisher in his arm. And he got, off, he got off his boat and he walked through without a word. to so either my father or the boat driver, the French boat driver, he walked through that fire. He put that fire out with a fire extinguisher. Then he walked back into his boat. He got a rope out. He tied it. Not a word was said. And both my father and the French boat driver, they're looking at this guy. Their mouths are open. They didn't see him coming. As far as they were concerned, there was no boat anywhere to be seen in the land. Certainly was nowhere close. And yet, this guy turns up with a fire extinguisher in a beautiful boat. He puts the fire out, then he ties a rope to their boat. And he says, Now, now he, well, he didn't say a word. He just got into his boat and he started to tow them. And he towed them for three or four hours. Till finally, my father saw another island, a little island, in fact, it was his destination, begin to appear on the horizon. And it got bigger. And it got bigger and it got bigger until he could see the island clearly and there were little jetties poking out from that island. In fact, there were hundreds, not just a few, hundreds of little jetties poking out into the ocean. Behind these jetties were little huts, little places of where these people lived. And they would fish from these jetties. They would tie their boats up on these jetties. They were a part of their lives. And this man had not said a word to my father or the French boat driver. He just towed that boat into the lagoon. He went past at least a hundred jetties and he went to the exact jetty that my father and the boat driver were headed to. My father got out of the boat, he tied the boat to its mooring, he turned round to thank this man who had saved them, and he was gone. There was no boat. There was no man. He had just disappeared into thin air. Psalm chapter 17 verse 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Who saved my father? Who saved the Frenchman in the boat with him? It was God. You see, God at times chooses to come down and intervene in the affairs of man. And he will save you. He will intervene. He will help you physically. It's a fact and many Christians have experienced this in their lives. If you have the presence of God in your life, then God, it allows God to do big things and allows God at times to intervene when he has to. God will save you physically. But I think what is even more special is the fact that God saves people spiritually. Have a look with me in your Bibles at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Because when God saves people spiritually, he does something very, very special. It's a wonderful thing when you're saved physically. You know, that, that experience that my dad had, it, it, it thrilled him. To this day, it built him up to know that God cared about him, that he sent an angel, an angel to save him, almost unheard of. But when you're a Christian, let me tell you, these things happen all the time. Happen all the time. Save physically is a great thing, but to have God come and save you spiritually. Man, the whole world needs to be saved spiritually. And when God comes down into your life and saves you, something very special this wonderful miracle happens because second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says therefore if anyone is in christ or if anyone has accepted christ if anyone has accepted jesus now if you don't believe in god if you're if you're an agnostic or you're you're watching this on television you're an atheist you need to listen to this because there is no answer to what I'm about to tell you the bible says if anyone is in christ or if anyone has jesus christ he is a new person The old has gone, the new has come. I want to tell you that the greatest proof that there is such a God as this is the change this God brings in people's lives. I have seen with these two eyes. People who were drunkards have Jesus come into their lives and they give up alcohol and they become totally, totally new people. I have worked with young people, most of my ministry, I have seen young people who have been into drugs, heavily addicted to cigarettes and what a curse cigarettes are to our society. Almost as big a curse as alcohol. Heavily addicted to these drugs have Jesus come into their lives. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And when Jesus comes into their life, a miracle is enacted deep, deep down inside their hearts. And they become new, new people. And I think the greatest thrill as a pastor is to watch people who are caught in sin, who are caught in darkness, find Jesus, have Jesus come into their heart and watch the miracle unfold. I've got the greatest of all jobs because I watch Jesus Christ come inside people's hearts and change them. I wouldn't swap this job for anything. It wouldn't matter how much money you give me. Although I'm I'm always enjoying getting a little more than and perhaps I do earn But that, that, it wouldn't matter how much money you give me I would not leave this work Because it is thrilling to watch Jesus Change people to save them spiritually I was in the Solomon Islands Oh, it was probably almost 20 years ago At the beginning of my ministry I'd gone over to the Solomon Islands Right up into the northern part of the Solomons To a place called Kakundu. Beautiful, beautiful place When you imagine the South Pacific And you imagine idyllic islands with palm trees And, and crystal white sand beaches and, and beautiful clear water and reef uh, That's the Northern Solomons I was up there, it's a gorgeous place In fact, it's, it's the area where JFK, you know who that is? John F. Kennedy, the President of America When he was fighting in World War II This is where his PT boat was split in two and sank to the bottom. And you remember he saved his friend. I've actually seen the island that Kennedy took his badly burned friend to. It's an interesting story because I don't know how many of you know this, but it was Seventh-day Adventist, yep, Seventh-day Adventist national boys that found him and put him in a canoe with his friend and paddled him all the way down to the southern part of the Solomon Islands into safety. And so I guess you could say John F.K. and... Seventh-day Adventists have this thing in common, don't they? Because, as I say, it's Adventist boys who saved him. Well, I was up there and I was up there preaching. We were also building a a dining hall for a school, my church, that I belonged to back then. I was a youth pastor. And on every Sabbath, and the Sabbath is a beautiful day. Oh, how I love the Sabbath. Sabbath. On every Sabbath, the day that you spend with the Lord. And if if the Sabbath's not in your life and you're a Christian, I want to tell you you're missing out one of the greatest blessings God offers mankind. The Sabbath, which is not made for Seventh-day Adventists, it's made for mankind. This day, look, the Sabbath is for no other reason than to spend 24 hours with Jesus Christ. No wonder the devil is so opposed to the Seventh-day Sabbath. It's a beautiful experience. And every Sabbath while I was up there, I'd get to go with the locals to a different village and preach the story of Jesus. And I'll never forget this story because it was the last Sabbath. I went to a village that was far, far away and I I was woken up very early Saturday, Sabbath morning, seventh day of the the week. And I got up and I I was taken by a national boy and we were walking along the the beach. In fact, we walked through a coconut grove. You may not know this, but more people die in the Solomon Islands from coconuts falling on their heads than anything else. So when I walked through that coconut grove, I, I had... You know, I didn't have a helmet, so I just put my hand over the top of of my head And walked through and everywhere as you walk through that coconut grove You hear plop, plop, plop As coconuts are falling on the ground everywhere And the last thing I want is one of those things to fall on my head Walk through the coconut grove, down to the beach Oh, what a beautiful morning Sun was coming up Sand was white, the water was clear It was a great day to be alive We walked maybe four or five kilometres, long walk Finally, we came to a river and I could see the village I was going to on the other side of the river. They had a little canoe for me to get into. I wasn't keen to get in the canoe. Just a tiny little canoe. And there was a bunch of people, maybe 50, 100 people on the other side of the river waiting to welcome me. All their friendly people, beautiful people in the Solomon Islands. And so I got in the canoe. In fact, I fell out of the canoe as I was getting in and, and wet my pants. up But anyway, that's another story. Got in the canoe. They, they took me across the river. And they, As I got out of the canoe on the other side of the river little man about that high, about that wide, big fella, but little, he he comes up, he had these tattoos on his forehead and on his cheeks. And he comes up, and I'm trying not to look at the tattoos, but I couldn't help be drawn to them. He comes up and he grabs me and he lifts me up in the air. I'm a little guy. And he says, I love you. Now, I'm from Australia. We, we don't say that sort of thing to other men Over here normally uh, I said well <laughs> Yeah I, I, I like you too And we, I found out this guy was a chief Well he's an interesting fellow Old man very very respected in the village You know every 5, 10 sometimes 15 minutes All day this guy'd grab me And he'd lift me up in the air And he'd say oh, I love you He got used to it after a while and I moved from, a, oh, I, I like you to, a, well, yep, I, I like you too. finally I was able to say to him, yes I was, I love you too. Oh, I had a wonderful day in that village, Sabbath school, like Sunday school, but uh, on Sabbath, Sabbath school. Then we, we went into the church service and we had an afternoon program all day. This guy put his arms around me, the chief, and he said, I love you. You know, I, I got real affectionate toward this guy real fast. Finally, at the end of the day, he says, I'm going to take you home, pastor. And so we get in the car in, 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 the, in his canoe, which had an outboard on it, and he takes me out to sea. I'm not walking home, I'm going home in his canoe. And he stops the canoe. And he looked at me and he said, and I knew something was on here. You know, you imagine, you're in a canoe with the chief out in the middle of the ocean by yourself. And he looked at me and he said, I want to tell you something. I said, y- yes. He said, you've been looking at these tattoos all day, haven't you? Or well, I said, oh. Oh, you know, you don't want to tell lies, you're a pastor. But I, I kind of grunted a reply. He said, let me tell you a story. He said, when I was a young man, he says, I don't know how old I was, 13, 14, maybe 15, 16. He said, I had to pass an initiation ceremony to become a man in my tribe. He said, that's what these, that's what these tattoos are. When I pass that initiation ceremony, they, they put these tattoos on my face. And I, I said, oh, that, that's very interesting. He said, let me tell you what I did. He said, I went out, he said, I hid in the bush. This is how I was initiated as a man into my village. He said, I went out, I hid in the bush. He said, I waited until another young man came out of the village, perhaps a little older than me. He said, I had a club. He said, as that man walked past he said, I sprang out of the bush and he said, I smashed his head to a pulp. He said, I killed him. He said, I then tied his feet together and I dragged him back to my village. He said, we skinned him. He said, then the village, and he said, I did. We ate him. You want to believe I was listening to this old man out in that canoe? And he looked at me and he said, you know why I have been telling you all day I love you? I said, tell me. I'm listening. Believe me. He said, because, he said, I'm not sure how long ago it was, maybe 60, he said, maybe 70 years ago, a man by the name of Katarangaso. He was a Solomon Island Adventist preacher. He said, he came to our village and he told us about Jesus. And he said, my father, who was a chief, accepted Jesus. He said, as I listened to the stories, he said, he said I was a young man. He said, I've never heard anything like the story of Jesus. And he says I remember the day in the village when I knelt down in the dirt. and I asked Jesus into my heart. And he said, when Jesus came into my heart, he said, he changed me. He changed my father. He changed my mother. He changed the entire village. He says, you know why I tell you I love you? And I said, why? Why? I really want to know now. He said, because if you had, if hadn't if had come and Jesus hadn't come into my heart and you'd come to visit me today, he looked me up and down and he said, rather than tell you I love you, he said, I would have eaten you. And he said, when I look at you, he said, you would have been a very, very good meal. And I felt like jumping out of the boat. I also felt like putting my arms around him because you see, when Jesus comes into your heart, when Jesus comes into your life, Jesus makes a difference. And if Jesus has not made a difference in your life, it's because Jesus has not come into it. Oh, as I close now, it's a simple thing to have Jesus as a part of your life. To have Jesus intervening physically to save you when he chooses to. To have Jesus saving you spiritually, it's a wonderful thing. It's as simple as simple as getting onto your knees. Like that old village chief didn't say, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm broken down and I need saving. Jesus will hear you. I want to close by saying this very quickly and I know I'm out of time. But listen, a storybook I read when I was coming to Jesus. There's a stubborn man or a rebellious man in this book. He didn't want to give his heart to the Lord. He, he, every time he'd try, he, he'd find he couldn't. His mother came to him one day and he said, just get down on your knees and ask Jesus to come into your heart. And she said, you keep doing that every morning, every night. Get on your knees, ask Jesus to come into your heart. And he said, well, I'll try it. And he gets down on his knees that first morning. Jesus, I'm a sinner Come into my heart. He didn't feel like saying it, but he said it. He said it that night and he kept saying it. And Jesus, he is. Jesus is not death. He heard the cry and he came down into that man's life. He came into his heart. It took time, but he came. And if you're struggling to give your heart to Jesus this morning. Just ask him to come into your heart and keep asking and he will come down, he will come inside you and he will work the miracle. The miracle that all of us need. Oh, I wish you that experience this morning. God bless you. The science of salvation, it's simple. Jesus loves you, that's the science. Jesus loves you. If you let him into your heart, he will save you physically. That's the science. Jesus loves you, he will save you physically at times. If you let him into your heart though, the most wonderful thing that happens is Jesus will save you spiritually. Oh, get out on your knees. It's a simple thing. Ask him to come inside. He'll hear you and he'll change your life for the better. God bless you as you give Jesus a chance in your life.